With classes in crisis communication, influence, and data presentation, Gonzaga University's online Master's in Communication and Leadership equips you with the tools you need to communicate clearly and encourage creativity in any industry. Concentrations in digital media, strategic communication, and global leadership allow you to customize your degree. Visit gonzaga.edu communication and learn why a master's degree from Gonzaga can help you take your career to the next level. That's gonzaga.edu communication. Hi, I'm Rain Phoenix. Welcome to Launch Left Podcast, a space for famed creatives to launch the next wave of music rebels, an intentional space to highlight and empower all artists for whom radical creativity is not a choice but a necessity. Follow us on all socials at Launch Left or find us on launchleft.com. Our guest today is Lucinda Williams, I think one of the greatest living songwriters. That is my that is my opinion. Um, she manages to also find a way to seamlessly marry her politics and her lyrics or her activism and her lyrics in a way that to me isn't preachy or cheesy in any way, but instead uh, just an elevated form of storytelling where she imbues her songs with, with hidden messages that make you think. Uh, about the status quo and our political system. And so my hat's off to Lucinda Williams in a million and one ways. She's been a huge influence and a hero of mine. Please welcome her to the show. I really appreciate you coming on. Oh, sure. Um, Your place looks cool. Thanks. Yeah, it's it's my little artist uh, cabin in the woods. I weirdly have one of these in Los Angeles of all places. Your place looks really cool too. You've got it's almost like we're yin and yang. There's a lot of yeah. Well, that's only because we haven't you know gotten stuff in yet. We haven't we have some artwork and we haven't put it up on the walls yet and stuff. <laughs> it usually it would be more like books everywhere. Or artwork yeah. and stuff. That's all in LA. Right. That's um, right. You relocated recently to Nashville. Yeah, we've been we were here a lot, so we decided we got a little place here over in East Nashville and Lachlan Springs, and it's cool. You know, it's just, it's a lot easier, just logistically, you know, traveling and everything. And a lot of the people we work with now are here. You know, like my label, Thirty Tigers, and they're yeah. here, and you know, so makes it easier. Yeah. Less traffic, I assume. Less traffic, and it's easier to, you can be more spontaneous. Right. You know, it's, you know, like with getting people together and stuff, it's just like last minute kind of stuff. And yeah, it's harder to do that in LA. You, <laughs> made, you made your new record there too in Nashville? Oh, that's that was okay. made in Nashville at, uh, with Ray Kennedy at his studio. And he's the same one I worked with on the car wheels. It's so it's such a, a fantastic record. Thank, thank you, for, you, thank you for making it. Like really, it felt good. It was fun making it, and it felt good doing it. You know, with pretty straight ahead kind of a process, really, with my band who I tour with. You know, Butch and David and Stewart, and um, you know, working with Ray at his little studio, and nobody else there, and we pretty much just you know, banged it out in about, in between tours, you know, over a period of about two weeks altogether, mm-hmm. you know, and then 
It also saved a lot of time because we didn't have, we decided not to have any overdubs really, you know, like people come in and do harmonies and all, which I thought we were going to do. And I was thinking I wanted to on certain songs, but then, you know, it was kind of a hard decision, but then every, we all decided it was a mutual decision. We all just decided, you know, let's just leave it like it is and, you know, just okay. have it be. Yeah. So raw, you know, raw. As a matter of fact, at a certain point I was like, have, are you I wondered if you were a fan of Sonic Youth or if you listened to Sonic Youth? Yeah, yeah, I, I was a big fan of a lot of different stuff, you know, like like the Stooges, Iggy Pop stuff, early stuff, you know, that you know, um, great punk rock in this record, yeah, yeah, I've it had to come out at some point, you know. <laughs> Um, really, and and I was thinking too. You know, one of the things that I always love about your songwriting is you're one of the few artists I think that could talk about things that really matter and, and activism or politics in a way that doesn't feel preachy and soapboxy yeah. or, or cheesy, right? Like you have yeah. the only one of the really the only ones that I look to, and I'm like, okay, let's hear about something really hard to listen about, like some political thing, but through the lens of poetry, you do it so seamlessly. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because, you know, a lot of people have asked me, well, why haven't I done this sooner and all of this? And that's one of the reasons is because it's, they're hard to write, you know? Um, and, you know, my, I set the bar really high at a really young age when I discovered Bob Dylan in 1965 and he was writing these amazing protest songs like Masters of War and, you know, um, the times they were changing and, you know, blowing in the wind and just all these amazing. And I figured, well, if I'm going to do it, it's, I've got to do it right, you know, and it's much easier to write an unrequited love song, you know, that, <laughs> I mean, those are, that's why that's mostly what you hear, you know, from other songwriters and including myself. Um, but I decided, you know, I needed, I wanted, not just needed to, but I wanted to branch off in some different directions, you know, at some point, especially after I met Tom, my soulmate, and I've realized, you know, um, if I'm going to still be a songwriter or write songs, I've got to broaden the horizon a little bit, you know, so it's a combination of it's something I've wanted to do anyway, and then, you know, kind of learning how to do it. Because they are hard to write without sounding kind of corny or preachy or, exactly. you know, too kumbaya-ish. You know, so. like, <laughs> uh, that's, uh, you know what I mean? Like, everybody, brothers and sisters, hold hands and yeah. all that, you know. Totally. I yeah. exactly what I meant. And that's why I was, like, so moved by this record, because you did that so seamlessly. Um, and I know this was the first, I think the first record that you kind of collaborated lyrically with Tom on. Yeah, that right? and that's been a whole new thing, and it's been really great. And, you know, that was kind of, I never knew, never thought I would be doing that necessarily. It wasn't really planned out, but Tom's always been into writing and creative writing and everything, you know not professionally or anything, but he's always been into it and interested in it. And it kind of started just as a kind of a little thing. It sort of, you know, kind of tiptoed into it. You know, he, I would be in my writing mode and Tom would come up and say, well, I got this idea for something. And 
you know, I've got a title and an idea and a few lines and he would be real shy about it. And he'd say, you know, you don't have to use it if you don't want to, you know, like, but I just thought I just want to show it to you. And I was real open about it. I said, that's cool. Let me see it. You know, it, so it kind of started like that. And then on this, when I was doing the last writing in the writing thing for this, for this album, um, he started showing me more and I just, it kind of turned into a thing and like man without a soul was his idea. And so was big black train. And it, like at first, you know, and a couple of them, I kind of, I wasn't sure, you know, and like big black train, he came, came to me with that one. And I initially I said, well, you know, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to write about a train that hasn't been written about in, you know, the last 150 years. I mean, you know, how many, what can you say about a train that hasn't been said already? And then, and Tom said, well, I was kind of looking at this, like the big black train represents the black cloud of depression and how, like, in this case, you don't want to get on the train, you know? So it's not like the usual train songs are like freedom train and, you know, I'm going to see my baby and this train's taking me to better places and all that. And so it took me a little bit to get into the concept of it. And but then I started working with it and got some verses. And I think it was when I got the melody that it really kind of clicked, you know, and now, and I don't know what it is about that song, but it makes me want to cry almost every time I sing it. And other people have said that. Yeah, it's kind of this weird mystical thing about that song, and it's so simple. Yeah, but so let's definitely like when I listened through the record the first time, it stood out the mo like that one was you know just grabbed my heart. Yeah, yeah, it has. The, and then of course, the more I listened to it, like now I have countless. Well, I can't really say like, well, my favorite is <laughs> they're all yeah. really really special, and and I just love that you know you've been in music since the late 70s really like that's when it seems like you started and that you're always like open to changing and morphing and growing as an artist yeah. and not getting stuck and like that kind of courage to me is is what you know like let like pardon my usage of the word legendary legacy <laughs> artists but as you know iconic artists that's like that those those words come to mind because it's like you're you're courageous and you're digging deeper you care so much about like risking everything I to do find something deep, you know See, that's another thing i'm glad you said i was thinking about that earlier today before i got up i was laying in bed thinking you know everybody's talking about oh you know you're this album is so angry and all of this and yeah it is but it's because i care yeah. you know i mean you know i had a little there was an article in the new york times recently that said something about um coincidentally the title of the article was you know where is the soul of donald trump and it was like Oh wow! Has he heard the the song, or is just this just a coincidence? So we posted it on my page on Facebook, a link to the article and a link to the song, "Man Without a Soul." And some of the comments that came back were not kind at all. I mean, I was shocked actually. You know, these were presumably fans of my music, and one of them said, "One that got me the most was said that." 
accused me of not being compassionate and said that, you know, how can Lucinda write a song like this? It's, I thought she was a compassionate person. She wrote that song, Compassion. And, you know, but this isn't compassionate at all. And she doesn't need to be writing a song like this. I'm just, you know, like, what? I mean, you know, so it got me to thinking about um, next time, I, if I get into that again, I'm just going to say, you know what? I, I'm, pro I'm one of the most more compassionate people you'll ever meet in your life. And that's what this is about. That's what these songs are about. I'm, I want people to wake up and be aware and just, you know, care, you know, like get out of your, you know, complacency and, you know, that kind of thing. You know, that it goes along with that thing of like, oh, you shouldn't be writing about this kind of stuff. You should just, you know, shut up and sing kind of thing. And it's yeah. like, they don't, you see people say this all the time, like on Facebook, but I don't want to hear about politics anymore. I'm just going to, you know, I just want to hear all positive, nice, light stuff. You know, like, I just can't deal with it anymore. Do you, you know, think you this time away from it? You know, that's the thing. Yeah. Do you think yeah. that COVID, this, this, you know, COVID-19, keeping everyone at home and, and basically all the constructs of, of the world as we know it, you know, and what, what was the markers of success and the markers of everything, right? The markers of, uh, of just real life are now kind of uh, just missed, right? We're all stuck at home. None of the things that normally kept us out in the world we we can do yeah um, with all the markets right. yeah, right all now, yeah do you think that this time has has is is it is it potentially a time for awakening and for people having more awareness of of these these constructs we've created that have made us complacent like you said or yeah. just wanting to only feel like soothed by society and not. I would have thought, yeah, I, I would have thought that this sort of, this thing that's happening right now um, would ultimately bring people more together and make people more aware and, you know, um, just like any other battle that we fought, you know, um, it's a different kind of battle, but it's still a battle, just like, you know, when I was growing up, the war in Vietnam, and before that, the civil rights movement, you know, there have always been battles. You know, when have things not been difficult in this country? When have, when have we not had something we had to fight for or fight against? You know, none of that has changed. So I just look at this like, this is something else that we need to come together for you know at the risk of sounding kumbaya-ish um <laughs> but you know that's what we do yeah that's what we need to do you know yeah. and i don't know i think i'm a positive person and that's the other thing i've been asked a lot about you know where do i get my hope and you know that's just the kind of person i am i mean i guess they're kind of some people are surprised that i have these you know, quote unquote, angry songs on this album. And then I have these other songs at the end, you know, they're kind of more about faith and hope and everything. But to me, that makes sense. You're a complex human being. 
Yeah, yeah exactly. all of us are, right? You don't <laughs> just have one emotion. <laughs> yeah. You know, sometimes you're angry and sometimes you're gentle and sometimes you're fun and mm -hmm. we're all like that, right? It's kind of- Yeah, it's a normal. You're three-dimensional. It's, it's, okay. it's a normal, you know, that's the thing. It's a normal, healthy emotion. Yeah. Which seems to scare some people, that this particular emotion. You know, people respond in weird, different ways. It's like they don't want that button pushed. You know, they don't want to deal with it. They don't want to look at it. You know, I remember a long time ago when I was in Nashville in the 90s, and there used to be a thing in the back of Tootsie's, not the front part of Tootsie's. They still have the touristy country bands there, but some of the local musicians started up a little room in the back of Tootsie's where they would have really cool music jam session type things. It was hosted by Greg Gehring and I would go down there and sit in sometimes and stuff. And I was down there one night and got up and did a song. And then I was sitting down and this younger guy came and sat down next to me. He said, would you tell me how to write songs? I want to know how you do it. You know, what, what do I need to know about this? And I said, well, the first thing is you're going to have to be able to dig deep down within yourself and go down in there, way down in there, into the dark, scary parts, you know, and pull stuff out. And he just sat there, it was, I'll never forget this, and he looked at me with this look on his face in all seriousness and said, I don't think I can do that. And it just, it broke my heart, you know, because I thought, yeah Sorry. no you know it's just so sad yeah i mean and that's how a lot of people live and they don't want to look at it yeah and you know it's i mean i can't imagine living like that you know and, and not because that's what art is yeah that's what it is that's where the beauty of it all comes from 100%. you know and it's the most important thing in the world yeah, I think. <laughs> Where would we be without it? I mean, to the choir for sure. Right? <laughs> we would be in a cave still. Yeah. I mean, well, now we are in a cave. <laughs> I didn't realize I was making a joke, but you know, I mean, it would—it's just—it's self-expression, and you know, that's the most important thing. It's interesting because I was going to ask you if you felt that all good art or all art comes from adversity or, you know, or does it come from a varied, varied number of places or, you know, that was, that yeah. was a question that popped in my mind this morning. I was like, oh, I'm curious what her feelings are on that, like whether, you know, she feels it only comes, you know, because some artists like they, because I do find even when I write a song, often it'll be you're hurting about something and you need to like yeah. just dig deep. But sometimes it just comes bubbling out and it's right. sent to you, you know, those are my favorite songs, the ones that get sent to you. Oh, I, yeah, I absolutely know that songs are sent, things are sent kind of through me and mm -hmm. I'm a vessel. I am but a vessel. Um, but it's, you know, a lot of artists talk about this, like, do you have to suffer, you know, in order to write? The way I look at that is I think we are, it, it does come from a place of suffering, but it doesn't mean you have to actively be suffering, you know, at the time you're writing. 
that's why that deep dark well is so important you know because the way i look at it is you know there's a well there and i could i just dip my hand and pull something out like regardless of what my life is right now right in the moment you know i'm happily with my soulmate i have a nice house these kinds of things people oftentimes think because you have those things that you're not suffering anymore so uh, therefore how are you going to create art right right you create it because you have it's still in there exactly you know marrying tom is not gonna you know mean that i'm not still suffering we all suffer who doesn't suffer we suffer from the moment of birth exactly no i mean you know we cry as soon as we get out of the womb yeah welcome to the world you know i mean it's all about suffering yes that doesn't mean you can't feel good and have happy moments and times and everything but the whole point of it we all have that stuff i don't care whether you're living in a mansion or living in a ghetto or whatever extraneously is going on in your life that doesn't shouldn't affect what's in there that's the art that's where the art comes in yeah you know so this whole whole idea that you have to live in chaos in order to create is kind of a myth i think you know because otherwise you wouldn't be able to have a good relationship you know you wouldn't be able you know those all those things you know so i struck i went through that whole awareness and all of that you know it was interesting and, and kind of amazing actually that when i got when tom and i got together we got engaged and you know the word got out and i was doing press for i think it was my album little honey um and i actually was asked during some of these interviews like people are concerned that now you're not gonna be able to write songs anymore you know because all my songs were about these you know, mostly about love, but, you know, sad songs about this and that, you know. So now that you found Tom, all that's going to go away. And I was like, really? That's so pedantic. Yeah. That's just so, you know, like, I don't even want to have to try to explain why that's not true. I mean, are you, is it, are you really that? stuck in that you know that unaware not to sound elitist sorry but you know um i don't think that i actually had people ask me ask actually ask me that question you know like okay well and i was like want to see watch me you know yeah so a lot of this stuff with writing these kinds of songs sort of coming bubbling up we're talking about bubbling up you know after that after people it's like a challenge like okay i'll show you you know i can still be a good songwriter and have a great relationship i'm going to show you god damn it you know like and you absolutely absolutely did so i mean just incredible i it's interesting when you were talking i also had the thought about you know love but also about loss right like it's almost like saying like oh you know, now that the person you care deeply about has been dead for two years, you're over it, right? You you have no, you can't speak about loss anymore. 
Well, yeah, it's, exactly. it's almost like, it's like, if you've known heartbreak, you, it's always part of who you are, right? Even if you fall in love, just like if you've known loss, like, exactly. I mean, always, right? Well, that's the thing. I mean, I still write about, you know, I still have feelings for, you know, other, you know, ex-lovers and, and connections and all of those things, you know. Yeah. And that's another reason I married Tom, because... You know, he passed that test of, you know, not getting jealous and upset or whatever else, yeah. you know, about songs about when I have written or write songs about other people, yeah. you know, because, you know, that it has to be like that, you know, that, and that's the other thing It's you know, it took me till I was in my 50s right. to find the right person who, you know, would fit with me. Yeah. You know, and that's hard to find. I always knew, I always knew it was possible though. You know. Sounds, sounds like you might even be twin flames. Soulmate, sure, but maybe even twin flames. Have you ever heard of that expression? Yes. Exactly. <laughs> that's so it makes me so happy to know that you did find that kind of love. There's really nothing more powerful than yeah. you know, finding an equal and someone who who respects you for who you are yes. can take all the good and the bad and yeah. help, help you grow and you help them grow. Like there's really nothing better. So what a joy to know that, you know, whenever uh, friends, family, people, I don't know, people I do find that that's a, that makes me happy. Yeah. It's, it's really possible. It's po It makes it possible. Right. I had to open up my mind though, you know, and get rid of that sort of that, you know, image of the bad boy. Right. You know, with the motorcycle boots and the trains on the motorcycle, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> Tom was working at a record company, the okay. enemy. You know, he was like the record company guy, you know. <laughs> and now so, he's paying. You know, I had to get past all that. So there were a few bumps in the road. Yeah. You know, but that's just part of the of growing and growth. Yeah. Yeah. Now, music. I always ask this question of every guest, which is just, how did music find you? Um, well, probably for my genetically, you know, spiritually and genetically for my mother, because she studied piano from the time she was about four years old and was majoring in music at LSU, Louisiana State University, when she met my dad. So, you know, there was always a piano in the house when I was growing up. When, when they were still married and together. Um, so, yeah, I think I was just born into that, you know. And then, of course, my dad's writing and all that. So I was very blessed to have had the genes from both sides. Yeah. You know. Yeah, to combine them both. Yeah, she. I guess you're saying she played piano and he wrote poetry, right? So yeah, like the marriage of those two. Yeah, and she didn't get into it professionally or anything, but you know, but yeah, she was a, a music. You know, she played piano. She was a lover of music, and she loved um, artists like Judy Garland and you know Errol Garner. Um, and, you know, so I was exposed to that kind of music. And my dad was listening to Hank Williams and John Coltrane, you know. <laughs> yeah. What was the first band or music that, like, 
you had that visceral experience as your own? Um, wow. Well, the thing is that it all was happening at the same time because I was a teenager in um, 67, 68, 69, 70. So, wow. You know, I've been doing a lot of these songless things for different publications and like favorite albums and throughout my life and all of this. And, you know, I was this one period of time, that period between like 1966 and 1969, just those three years alone, you know, bands like one of them for me would have been The Doors' first album um bob dylan's highway seeks when visited that was 65 you know hendrix the first album that came out the creamed israeli gears you know buffalo springfield Led zeppelin i mean all of this stuff it was mind-blowing wow. you know and it all came out in that little pocket incredible you know when i was also in my teens so it was like coming at me like, woo, you know, Jefferson Airplane, Surrealistic Pillow, nice. Almond Brothers. I mean, it was just, you know, like, yeah. Rich. So, yeah, very rich and very, you know, um, multi, you know, Creedence Clearwater Revival, the band, Neil Young, you know, everybody knows this is nowhere. You know, just, I mean, and the stuff that was on the radio, you know. What a cool time to have been alive. Yeah, it was pretty cool. I don't want to be one of these, like, ooh, talking about the 60s, but, you know, but it was. <laughs> There's no getting around it. It was a great time for music. Really good time for music. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, the other question I ask, when in many ways I feel like you answer, I try to ask two or three questions that, that stay the same as just a form of activism or how you connect your music to activism, which I feel like by talking about your record in many ways you did it. Yeah. So that's usually the other question I have, or is if there's a specific cause you like to talk about or something that's like extra yeah. close to you. Or well, not. I was talking about, you know, when I was a teenager, I was very much an activist, you know. And I still am, but, you know, maybe in different ways. Um, but, yeah, I was very much anti-military industrial complex, you know. Again, it was in my blood. I was born a rebel, I think, you know. My dad's father, my grandfather, my paternal grandfather was, a, was identified himself, as, considered himself a socialist democrat. Wow. He was involved. He was a Methodist minister. He was also involved in the Southern Tenant Farmers Union struggle. And, you know, he was a supporter of civil rights, equal rights, you know. And he, both he, he and my grandmother both. So my, he was a, a, con, a CO, a conscientious objector of World War I, which was unheard of. Eventually he left the church, you know, because of his beliefs. And they didn't support support those, you know. And so, and then my father, when he was in college, he befriended um, George Haley, who was the brother of Alex Haley, who wrote Roots. And George Haley was the first black student at the University of Arkansas. 
And you can imagine what that was like in the 50s. And so my dad, he and my dad got to be close friends. And um, I think they were roommates for a while. And um, my dad asked George Haley to be my godfather. So, <laughs> you know. Wow. So it's in my blood, you know. And Well, and you transmute it and transform it through song, which, like I said, is not an easy task. And... And you do it so well. And that's because that, it's, you know, and, and when I say activism, it is sort of like, it doesn't necessarily mean like what picket lines have you been on or, you know, what's your, like, it could mean some artists have shared, oh, like, yeah. I, you know, that they smile at people every day. And, and that's like, yeah, a, yeah. Right. Or, but, you know, it's so part of who you are. Like yeah. you said, your grandparent, like, it's part of your um makeup your dna yeah well you know that again i'm glad i'm so glad you're saying that expressing this this way because you know this that's why i did this album I mean, you know that's part of my like you said you know it's a form of activism yeah you know and i feel blessed and fortunate because i have this way to express right you know my beliefs and my feelings and what better way to do it than through your art? Yep. You know? Exactly. So. <laughs> That's like so launched. That was like a launch left. Uh, right on. <laughs> I still say at the end of all my concerts, peace of love and don't give up the fight and all this. Yeah. yeah. I know. Speaking of which, I got to see, and I think it was on, was it on Halloween? I think I saw your show in LA at the Beacon or, or not Beacon. What? Big old theater. In oh, LA. yeah, El Rey. The El Rey. No, it was another big old theater, downtown L.A. Oh, the, that one. Yeah, yeah, the uh, the Ace Hotel. Yeah, it was one of those. It was one of those. But but I I remember what I... So you played, I think it was almost a three-hour set or two. Yeah. Um, and you told... you Your format was storytelling, right, in between songs. And... And I'm just going to be completely transparent with you. As a rule, most of my friends know this about me. Like, even if I love the artist, I might not stay their whole show, um, even if it's 45 minutes. Oh, yeah, I know. I've been there, trust me. Right? If I feel like I get what they're they're doing or I like what they're doing, but I have something else that, like, I'm distracted, I I get, like, fidgety. So I can't always stay. I know. And I I always, uh, and and I literally couldn't move for three hours at that show with you. Um, I I know how you, I know what you mean, so that's a huge compliment. And it was, uh, I was so moved by um, the format of storytelling and then into the song so that then I could process what you just told me, which was usually some pretty heavy shit. Those were, that was the car wheels thing, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think it was. The car wheels was, anniversary show. Yes. Yeah. That was so powerful. It was so cool to get to have, it was like your music, the songs became this like way to process the stories. After yeah. you would tell the story and then, and I don't know, it made me uh, digest them even more deeply, right? And so I was just surprised, to be honest, because like I said, it's not my habit to be that. I know. And, uh, <laughs> and that, that was a special thing. And it actually helped me a lot because at the time I'd been 
also doing shows about a record uh, in honor of my brother River that I called River, who passed away in 1993. And so I have been kind of talking uh, about loss during yeah. the show. And, then, and so seeing that show and realizing how powerful it can be to to share stories along with song, it inspired me. So I'm really yeah, grateful you. to you for that. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Special. That's a huge compliment because I'm right there with you. I've been to see incredible, incredible genius artists, and I'm like, okay, <laughs> you know, I need a drink or something. That's when, <laughs> you know, it's not meant to be offensive. It's just I just wanted to be transparent. No, no, it's like, hard to sit still. Yeah. It's very. I think that's very common. I think those same artists would probably be like have the same problem same you know it'd be the same challenge for them you know I don't, I don't think we were all meant to be in the audience you know <laughs> necessarily yeah but we've also probably all experienced those shows that are just like whoa yeah well yeah. like when I went to, first went to see Bob Dylan oh my I was like that I think that was one of the few times where I was just like on the edge of my seat with my jaw dropped you know yeah yeah it yeah. sounds like he was a hero of yours did you say that that bob dylan was one of your yeah definitely heroes? Very yeah cool. it's a good hero to have i mean it was different back then you know he was breaking new ground and right. Right. you know so yeah he's kept it he's kept it going too yeah i even like you know i don't know i like some of his later stuff a lot too well, I don't want to keep you all day. I don't know if you're do you uh -huh. feel done, you're done, but I've just been having, thank you so thank much you. for sharing you know, about, about music and activism and your record and just who you are as a person. Honestly, you know, whatever people are saying, I've always experienced you as a source of inspiration and, and, um, and like a, you know, a breath of fresh air always because you don't bullshit and so and you're and and at the same time like yeah how you talk about what you say makes me think more deeply about the subjects that that you know so and even if i don't always agree it makes me think more deeply so i just yeah. appreciate you for for that and and being someone who is courageous enough to say how you feel and not not be afraid of thank you, know, you. so and do it so beautifully and so seamlessly. It's really awesome. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you for coming on the show. And yeah, Thanks is there anything else me. you want to share with our audience or anything else you feel like sharing? No, no. Um, just everybody, you know, just stay safe out there, you know, and, and um, know that, you know, we're all here. Everybody's out there and you're not alone. Yeah. You know, and if there is ever a better reason for the internet, you know, right. this is the time to utilize that. Absolutely. Yeah. So, and don't let the bastards get you down. <laughs> Woo! Thank you, beautiful Miss Williams. Thank you, Brian. It's really nice to speak to you, Lucinda. Me too. I'm looking forward to when we can see each other. Me too. Yeah. And right. give each other a hug. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Uh, have a wonderful rest of your Tuesday and week. Oh, thank you. All right. Mwah, mwah. You. Okay. Hello, we're talking with the band Capes, Liberty, and Colin. 
they just put out a single uh, May 10th and we wanted to talk to them a little bit about that. They put it out on Launch Left. They are the first launched artist um, on the singles rollout leading up to the Alec is Attic release on August 23rd. Welcome Liberty and Colin. How are you guys today? Thank you. Great. Hi. Thanks for having us. Tell us a little bit about the track and uh, the band Capes. So we had a band previously together and set out to have a more conscious decision around building a band um, where we wanted to have a strong ethos to how we create and um, what exactly it was that we wanted to create. And what came of it was that we didn't really want to just be a band, that we wanted to be more of a movement uh, to kind of catalyze collaboration and creativity in a way that could go beyond just music. So it could be art, it could be writing, it could be movies, it could be marches, it could be pretty much anything, um, all with the understanding that we are working for the greater good. Um, so we decided why we wanted to do it was to empower people to um, be their authentic and innate self um, that's in each and every one of us. That was kind of the bassist. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, I think I think the 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 main idea, or at least the main impetus for us, is just that you know we're kind of we're we're living in a time that a lot of us feel pretty helpless, and we're also sort of watching um, we're watching the people who have been leading uh, leading the world start to give in to you know, greed and, and uh, to give into what we consider to be, you know, evil, you know, and we, we, we kind of remember when we were kids and we dreamed about what we wanted to do and what we were going to be. And like, that's, that's my Superman cape from when I was a kid. And, and like, I really believed that I was going to grow up to have superhuman powers and that I was going to have to like save the world and do all these things. And, and as you get older, people start giving in to these like, well, that will never happen. This will never happen. Oh, you got to give up on these things. And people kind of take it on as being mature, you know, like, oh, well, you can't save the world. You can't expect politicians not to be corrupt. You can't expect corporations to do the right thing. And a lot of times people like us who advocate for doing good, we kind of get put down as being naive or, or being childish when really that's, you know, that's probably the strongest force we have for good is like that child in us, that, that person in us who wanted to be a superhero, who really thought we could do these things. And so that's, that's why Lib and I decided that we wanted to be known as capes. We're, we're putting our capes on, we're putting them back on so that we can start doing the things that should have been done already. But, um, and, and obviously there are plenty of people who are working for that. It's not like nobody's doing it, but we want to join in. <laughs> Amazing, you guys. That sounds like an, an, an incredible movement. Um, I, you know, nice to meet you, Colin. Never met you before. You too. You were in my dream the other night and you were being extremely humble after being asked to play some piano and you're like, oh, I didn't really write it. It, was, it wasn't really my idea, but like, yeah. And you were like killing it. Um, 
And Liberty, this sounds, um, I've known you for some time and um, <laughs> sounds like it's right, right up your, right up your alley. Yeah, the fun part about it for sure, beyond all the great stuff, um, is that we have the opportunity to curate really cool events and spaces and places for people to find their own strength and be vulnerable in it. One of the things that we figured out in our own exploration of it was that when you get up and perform, it's one of the most vulnerable things that you can do. And you really put your heart out there and you bear your soul to the people who are watching it, whether nowadays it's only online or not um it's still a space that that can create um growth and change in the individual who's doing it but then also to affect the audience as well and to be able to curate something like that gives so much more meaning to performing than just you know playing your song and opening up to collaborate with other artists other um in every aspect whether it's visual artists or musical or film um, and whatnot. So that part of it uh, definitely sends home my need to have my hands in a hundred pots at a time. Nice. Yeah. You know what I realized is we didn't uh, we didn't even say the name of the song yet. This right. song is titled "Looking Out for Me." Okay. You want to tell us a little bit about the song, or you know, you don't have to because some artists prefer not to share, you know, or disclose what it's even about songs. It's up to you, but um, if you don't want to do that, maybe talk about where you recorded it or, um, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, I'd love for people to interpret it the way that they want. I'd, I would talk about the collaborative efforts that we took on it, which was pretty cool because the way that we've worked um, together musically is one of us presents the song to the table and then we work on it together and make it the best rendition of itself, whether it's that we cut out a verse completely because it's just not fitting or whether or not we need to really um, include additional instrumentation if that's needed or not. And the process with this song, it's probably almost two years old at this point. So it's one of our um, songs from the past and it went through different renditions of being on guitar to being on electric keyboard to being with piano and and then going into the recording studio, we recorded at Pulp Arts in Gainesville, Florida. And um, it's just an incredible facility. And the mastermind engineer there, Michael Tubbs, uh, definitely took it to a whole other level. And uh, Colin did all the instruments um, and layered them. If you want to talk more about that part, um, I don't know exactly what all went into it. Sure, yeah. I mean, um, you covered it. And we... Um we tried to keep it simple um lib has uh lib has a very distinct quality to her voice in uh in the way that she conveys emotion um it's one of the things that drew me to to live in the first place um when when she kind of um she knows the story of the song and when she's singing it you can you know everybody of course puts it through their own filter but she's projecting that that tone and uh an emotion from it and especially with looking out for me we didn't want to complicate it too much so we kept it pretty simple we um we used a beautiful steinway grand piano that um michael has in his studio which was like like going to a theme park for me um <laughs> and um and then um, we've we've experimented with putting some some um, uh, like very low uh, keyboard like I used my synthesizer to to put some um, uh, 
low end in there just to kind of create this uh, ominous buzz. And we've also brought in um, uh, a friend of ours, Nolan, who uh, played cello and he added uh, a couple of things here and there that uh, is just gorgeous. And, um, and we're very grateful to him for lending his talents to us. Um, well, we love the song and we're so grateful to you uh, and for being on the Launch Left imprint and being the flagship release for the singles rollout. I just want to thank you for coming on and sharing with our audience a little bit about your music and who you are as a movement, as you say. And so Capes, welcome to the family. You'll be hearing there and watching their video right after this. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Love you guys. Love you, Sarah. <laughs>
Launch Left aims to create an intentional space that highlights and empowers all artists for whom radical creativity is not a choice, but a necessity. Launch Left begins with music, but its ultimate aim is to launch left-of-center artists in all creative fields. 